voice of one crying the wilderness prepare the way of the lord make straight in the desert a highway for our god the voice of one crying the wilderness prepare the way of the lord make straight in the desert a highway for our god the voice of Father, we thank you. We are grateful for everything you do for us. We are thankful. Father, we ask that of all the good things we enjoy from you, help us turn it into glory. Help us turn it into praise. Help us turn it into action. Help us turn it into our doing for others as has been done for us. Thank you. This evening, we ask for eyes to see and ears to hear. Yeah. A heart that understands and a mouth to speak plainly. Yeah. We ask that you accept us. Accept us, good God. Amen. Okay. Let's, uh, let's go into the scriptures as we are led by God's good spirit to find him. On Wednesday, the message was comprised of just answering questions. And if we did that every day, 365 days, every day of the year, there would always be a question to be answered that is in the hearts of God's people. That should motivate you to see reason why you should study the scriptures, study your Bible constantly, because you need to know many things. You need to know many things. And when you know, then you are strong. Psalm, Proverbs 24, verse 5 and 6. A wise man is strong, and a man of knowledge and greater strength. For by wise counsel, you wage your own war, and in a multitude of counselors, Safety. One more time. A wise man is strong. Yes, a man of glory increases strength. For by wise counsel, you so knowledge makes you increase strength outside works and um, 
as usual, with no attempt to take a pot shot at prayer. I mean, what will we do without prayer? But many people think that their strength increases with prayer. But it's with knowledge. It's with knowledge that you increase in strength. Then you can pray according to God's will with the assurance that he will answer you. So knowledge. Knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. And it is by wise counsel you wage, not my war, your own war. That implies that all of us have wars. Everyone, little people, big people, people of every size and height and age, you have a war to wage. And you can wage it and win by wise counsel, sitting down with wise counselors. I've told you, amongst the best counselors on earth, human counselors are Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Job, David. If you meet them, if you pay attention to their words, you'll be very wise. They have counsel to give you, Jeremiah and Isaiah, all of them, the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, Malachi, Paul. If you listen to their counsel, you will fight a winning battle. You will be strong. You will be accomplished. You'll be a successful warrior. At different ages, at different times in life, we have different battles to fight at different times. We have, there's the general war. What's the difference between war and battle? War is comprised of many battles. There's a war in Ukraine now. Russia and Ukraine are at war right now. But there's the battle of Koshkan. There's the battle of Mariupol. There's the battle of Kiev. There's the battle. So that's how it works. Or the battle, and a battle may last for days or even weeks, even months. A war could go on for for one hundred years. An ongoing clash. There is a war that is ongoing right now in the earth it's between the kingdom of god and the kingdom of darkness that war has been going on for a long time who who fired shots first as far as we see all of us children of the first adam it's from when nakash the snake or the shiny one went and confronted our first mother Eve, the mother of all the living, and deceived her. So his attack was by a deception. His attack was by way of deception. He deceived her and told her, If you eat this thing, you won't die. 
She ate it and she didn't just die alone. She killed everybody. Well, that wasn't accomplished till her husband joined. So the war, immediately he got Eve involved. He got Eve to involve her husband. And she gave him and he ate. In the New Testament, Paul says very clearly, he said that the man was not deceived. He said that the woman was deceived. The man was not. At no time did Adam go, wow, really? We won't die? Mm-mm. His attitude was more likely. You ate it. Mm. Flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. We die here together. Bring it. He committed suicide by a wife. The Bible says she had eaten it. Nothing. Eyes did not open. Nothing happened. As he ate it, whatsoever thing two of you agree, as touching anything on earth, it shall be done. As they agreed in their disobedience, bam! The wages of sin is death. Not the wages of deception. It is not her being deceived that led to the problem. It was her being disobedient. Do you understand? While you're busy saying, I was deceived, there's only one question. Did I tell you not to eat it? What were you deceived about? What was Eve deceived about? Did he trick her and say, I plucked this fruit from the other tree? No, it's not from this tree. No, 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 no. It's not this tree. It's from the other tree. Yes, one of the trees we are permitted to eat. Is that what happened to Eve? Did she know the tree it was from? What was the instruction? What was the law? The one law God gave her. They had one law and they broke it. People complain about there being many laws. If you had one, would you keep it? There was one law, and that law was eat every other tree, but this one, full stop. They talk about deception and did not deceive. Wait, first. He tricked you that what? Who wants to tell me? Let me see your hand. What exactly did Satan deceive the woman into the give it to me? Tell me what First um, Timothy 2 says. Verse 14. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman who was deceived. I'm falling into translation. Yes? Someone wants to tell me, uh, this is your last chance. What exactly did what exactly was the deception with Eve? You didn't raise your hand. The deception was that she would, she answered, that she wouldn't die. He told her you will be like God, which God himself agreed to thereafter. Said the man has become like one of us. Exactly what Satan said, it was true. She became like God in what respect? Not in all respects, in one respect. Actually, not like God, but like Elohim. Like the spirit world, like the spirit beings. I've told you what Elohim means. If you haven't heard it, go and ask for the message from some weeks ago. He said, the woman has become like one of us. Like one of us. 
So, a group of people or a group of spiritual beings and the woman had changed and become like them. What did they know? What was their distinction? They knew the difference between good and evil. At that time, Eve did not know the difference between good and evil. Like a little child, like a one, two year old, doesn't know certain things. Doesn't know if you take a knife and hit someone. Eh, eh. Or if you come to take something from me and they are holding a sharp knife in their hand, they will drag it. They have no concept of harm, of danger, of anything. They are very naive. What Eve meant when she said to God, the serpent, he deceived me, was, it wasn't, that's why God didn't bother to answer it. It wasn't, uh, um, she told me, Oh, your mommy said you should come and eat it. Take it. Your mommy kept it for you. Do you understand? Your mommy says, I'm going to keep food for you. Okay? When you come back, you see some food I kept for you. All right? Bye-bye. And you go and come back. And someone has swapped what mommy kept and kept something else. Do you understand this? And the person says, oh, this is the food your mommy kept for you. You are not guilty. Do you understand? You were deceived. But why are you not guilty? I thought when someone is deceived, he's guilty according to Genesis. No. The issue is not being deceived. The issue is that God said don't eat it. Then someone told you, leave it. God lied, more or less. You won't die. So he deceived them that nothing will happen. Deceived her. Nothing will happen when you eat it. Only something good and nice. You will be like the class of Elohim. Knowing good and evil. So what about the instruction they gave you, Eve? What about the direct instruction that you shouldn't eat it? Forget. Switch back to our example. The girl that was told. Your mommy said, listen to me. When you come back, I'll give you food. But if you come back and I'm not in the house, if you see anybody else, don't eat anything they give you. Have you heard me? Don't touch it. Don't eat it. Don't touch it. Do you hear me? Good. Don't eat anything from anybody in this house. That's all. Then you come and tell a story about how they said, she, he's, he said that it's your mommy that gave me. Then I tell you not to eat anything from anybody except me. I did. You heard it. He deceived you. How did he deceive you? Can you see the difference? In the first instance, the mother said, I'll keep food for you. And then someone swapped the food and deceived them and gave them something else. In the second instance, you were clearly told not to take food from anyone's hands except your mother. And then you came there, ignored what your mother had clearly said and claimed deception 
It's a form of deception. It's the deception that happens to the disobedient. And I want you to note it. Because most of the reason why people will be punished and disciplined by the Lord when he comes will be because many of them were deceived. But their deception was a result of disobedience. After she was deceived, she fell into transgression. So you've been told something and it's obvious and you chose to act as you please, thinking that you can hide behind deception. How are you going to hide behind deception? What were you doing there? So I went there. I didn't even want to taste it. They now said that it's Fanta. And it was Fanta. It was Fanta. So I just drank it. I didn't even know what happened. And I now woke up and I found that I'm not wearing any clothes. And it's like, yes, you are determined that you would keep yourself till you married. And you were deceived. What about the standing instruction that you should not go to any party? You should, you see, where you're going? I sent you to school. School, church, house. What did I say? School, church, house. Is it in school or church or this house that they gave you Fanta? No, they deceived me. What are you talking about? How were you deceived? Where were you deceived? You disobeyed and it led you into deception. Because we like to control the extent of our deception. We like to have... This is what we like, human beings. You're like... I'm going to disobey direct instructions, but no one will deceive me. Isn't that how it works? I'm going to disobey. I know what I'm doing. They said I shouldn't do it, but I'll not enter trouble. Nobody will deceive me. Don't worry, I'm in charge. I'm in control of this. Do you know what you're saying? You are the car that has left the road and is driving by the edge of the gutter and the bush, but you're in control. You know the problem with being in control right next to the edge of a, a ditch, a gutter or a cliff? A tiny thing. See, when you're in the middle of the road and something crosses the road and you dodge it a little, you can easily get back because you were on the road. When you're by the edge of a gutter and something you dodge something a little, a little, very little can end your life. Very little. Because... Those instructions, those laws that God gives are what they do is what sometimes you hear us refer to as parapets here, is they push you towards the middle of the road. So there's a long distance to your left and to your right that if you err, are you seeing, there's still space to correct it. But when you're in disobedience, this is why you have heard stories of people that are disobedient, but nothing happened. Have you heard these stories many times? They were walking the thin line. 
they were on the very edge. They were taking unnecessary risks. They were right there by the edge. Every time they give a rule, you say, Abi, you say I shouldn't go to the aside. Okay. When they told you you were here. Then they say, listen to me, come here. I don't want you going to those people. Don't go near near them. Don't join them. Uh, I shouldn't join them, Abi. Abi said I shouldn't join them. I shouldn't sit with them, Abi. Yeah. I will not sit with them. Uh, 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 I'll not sit with you. I'll not sit with you. And you spend your life spooling these stones. That's exactly how most of the disasters of the Christian life have happened. I'm not sitting, I'm not sitting, I'm not sitting, I'm not sitting. <laughs> you thought I was sitting. One day, as has happened to all of you. No, no, no. What's that thing they say in one Nigerian song? Oyibo repete. Hmm? No, leave the it's only that. That's when you start repeating English. Oh, you you start without talking in it plenty. Uh, well, actually, the way it happened in the circumstances directly involved in this situation is that I on <laughs> English, English. You shape it this way. You shape it. You don't even know how to write it in your own diary. You don't know how to write it. You're looking for a way to make it sound good. You can't find. Because now, if you had obeyed the Lord, you would be here. Even if you dozed off while walking, you may stagger a little like this. There's still this large gap. It's because of taking yourself to these borders, these border towns, these areas. It's because of that that we get into one fiasco after another. And the question we should ask ourselves, as I often ask myself and other people, is it necessary? Why? Because you always come away with a wound. You always come away with a loss. You always come away, but you keep. And like you guys answered me so graciously some time ago. You're trying to prove it to God. That God, you see, I'm a better person than you think. I'm not a bad person. Hear me. I'm going to show you I'm a good person. That I'm going to dance near the edge of this trouble and come away on skate. Because naturally, I am good. I'm not bad. In other words, you disagree with God that you need a savior. You disagree with God that you need salvation. You disagree with God that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Simple. That is the issue. I can't remember who I was showing the other day. We were talking and uh, I showed the person that we are sinners. 
I think I remember right now. You say visitor, someone that's visited with us a couple of times. I think it was after a Bible class in the school of ministry. And I said, you know, we are sinners. And I thought, well, consider, because I know what they've taught Christian. I don't know how the conversation got there. So I opened a couple of scriptures and proved that we are sinners. Not where. Are. We are sinners. <sighs> many, many years ago, I found out that I was a sinner. Saved by grace. Not I used to be a sinner. I am. Paul said he was the chiefest of sinners. He didn't say he used to be. He said, of which I am the chief. said he is. He, he wasn't talking about his past life. He was referring to himself right then. He's a sinner. And you have people walking around lying. And, and as usual, mistaken teachers or just deceivers. Say, you're not a sinner. In Jesus, you are you are what? You're a sinner. The quicker you agree, the sooner your chances of not doing what sinners do. Because you start with agreeing with the truth. Only acknowledge your guilt. Again, I don't know why people have a problem with understanding when Jesus calls himself the son of man. The Lord Jesus was God. Is God that became flesh. Did he stop being God? No. Is he man? He calls himself the son of man. Willingly. Over and over again. Does it stop him from being the son of God? The only begotten. Full of grace and truth. No. So. We have a problem. We've been taught. That if your mouth opens and says. That two things that seem contradictory. Cannot exist in one place. But that's not true. There's light and darkness on the earth. This one earth. There's male and female in the order of existence and beings called man. There's male and female. And then you have multiple evidences. In you, around you, you have a hand and you have a hand. Are they identical? Yes and no. They are like mirror images. Now, remove. can you take this and put here? Will it work? No, you have a hand facing the other way. It gets all messed up. But they are identical. They complement each other. That you can be a sinner operating under the grace of God should not be difficult except you've been trained in denial, which many have. And I don't think I want to go down that path. But it's very bothersome. And it's a major reason why many fall. The quicker you agree with God. God says he doesn't even hold his angels to be pure in his sight. He says all have sinned. If you, were, if you didn't believe it because I'm saying it. First John chapter 1. Wouldn't you believe the apostle John in from verse 7 to 9. Where he says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have koinonia, we share with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, 
cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, not we had no sin. If we say we have no sin, present tense, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. That the truth comes inside you and moves around. And you, you, you're telling the truth. You have no sin. You have no sin. I have no sin. Really? That's not what this sin, that's not what the truth saw. The truth saw sin in you. Romans 7, Romans 5, Romans 6. Members, your body parts. It says death is at work inside it. And this death is a result of sin because it's the payment. The penalty for sin is death. So if there's death in your members, that means there's sin present for there to be death. It's called, as he said in Romans 7, who will save me from this body of death? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Next verse. If we say we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. James chapter 3. This is John that just finished speaking. But James, the elder, the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ, says in verse 2 we, of chapter 3, we all stumble in many ways. He says we all. How can you read that and say he's not speaking about himself inclusive? Can you read that and conclude, oh, he was talking about all the sinners. No, he was talking about everyone. He knows what it means to fall short. He knows. And he acknowledged it. He acknowledged that we all fall short and he did not in any way exclude himself. First Timothy 1 verse 15 says, let, let's see in BSB. This is a trustworthy saying, worthy of all acceptance. Read with me. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. He didn't say I was. You read this carelessly, you think he's speaking about the past? No. He's speaking about his present tense. And if you walk with the Lord closely, you will understand these things. He doesn't condemn you. He convicts you. He tells you this is not okay. While we are still walking, he tells you this is not okay. This ain't okay. You have to really deal with this. This temper, huh? This temper. I mean, look at, you. Look at what you just did. You really have to work on this. And you're supposed to go, yes, sir. I'm sorry, sir. And sometimes to the people, if it's a situation where you sinned against someone, I'm sorry to you. Instead of acting, that's why people don't say sorry or acknowledge anything. Why? Because I cannot let you know I sinned. If I say sorry, that means I was wrong. <laughs> After reading 14 laws of power, <laughs> you never acknowledge deficiency to a subordinate. Who knows what we are talking about here? Never. 
<laughs> Who read 48 laws of power here? Were you sleeping when you read young? Because this thing I said, you know, Sam, only, only Splendor had raised his hand. The rest of you are in denial till today. Years after you broke away, <laughs> the 48 laws of all of you that raise your hand, are you sure you've been delivered from? Make sure. <laughs> you know, as you read that book, you're, co you're collecting, you're fetching demons. <laughs> poisons your spirit, poisons your mind, poisons you. That's what happens with. You are sinners. The quicker you agree, the better. Now, what do you know you should do when you know you are a sinner? That means you avoid any appearance of evil. Instead of forming me, no, <laughs> me, <laughs> can't fall, can't fall. You change your son into fallen because you fall so much. I know many times people have, the reason they fall is because they are busy trying to prove they can't fall. How foolish can you be? Go and put your hand in fire. Say you can't burn. Then put your hand in fire. It's because you acknowledge that fire can burn you. That's why you avoid fire. The logic is simple. It's because you know you are a sinner. That you've just been redeemed. It, again, it's because many people do not understand the concept of what Jesus does. Leviticus 25 tells you how to be under the law. Again, you and I know. You and I know. We don't know what it means to be under the law. We think it means to pay attention to God's law. That you're, oh Jesus, save your church. Jesus. To be under the law means you are guilty and you are not yet free. And according to the law, you have a debt to pay. At the end of the time of your debt or when you finish paying it off, you are no longer under the law. How do you pay off your debt? Leviticus 25, take me there. Verse... Uh, 35, there's a lot, it's a big, big chapter. Now, if your countryman becomes destitute and cannot support himself among you, then you are to help him as you would a foreigner or stranger. Hear that? Now, we've seen this at different times, and uh, I can't dwell on it. You can just go listen to um, when I shared on it. Okay? Let's continue from verse 47. We'll read to verse 49. If a foreigner residing among you... Now, it starts in the same way, okay? Um, if a foreigner residing among you prospers, but your countryman dwelling near him becomes destitute 
and sells himself to the foreigner or to a member of his clan, he retains the right of redemption after he has sold himself. So this is how you free yourself. He can pay for it. One of his brothers may redeem him. That's why the Lord Jesus became our brother. Either his uncle or cousin or any close relative from his clan may redeem him. Or if he prospers, he may redeem himself. What you've just seen is how you come under the law. He became poor. He became a debtor. Jesus said it this way. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Elsewhere, he said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Have you read that? Good. So, we understand that sin is a debt. Easy. Anytime you sin against a person or against God, you're indebted to the one you sinned against. It's like borrowing money from them. You owe them. If you don't still understand that well enough from the Lord's prayer, simply the way it said it's sin or debt, then Matthew chapter 18. In the book of Matthew chapter 18, the Lord Jesus said that a certain man did what he was owing. And after he owed, what did he say happened? He said he forgave was forgiven by the king and he went and his own debtor he refused to forgive the debt so very clearly whenever you hear sin you hear debt if i sin against her i owe her a debt and i'm supposed to pay back but because some debts cannot be paid back at the what do you do when you owe someone, but you cannot pay. You ask for mercy. You humbly ask for mercy. You ask for a cancellation of your debt. Okay? And in the event that you are forgiven, then you are free. This is why God commanded us to forgive those who sin against us. He's saying in plain language, cancel their debt. Remove their debt. Don't hold it against them. Why? Because I removed your debt. Matthew 18. I canceled all the things you were owing me. So I don't want you holding what people are owing you against them. Let them go to that's how our God thinks. And that's how he wants us to think. He actually said more than once, if you don't forgive men their sins, you, your sins will not be forgiven. If you don't cancel their debts, your own debt will not be canceled. I don't think preachers like to teach on those passages, even though they are called quite a number of times. Because it's hard for them to explain why the almighty God will say a thing like that? We are forgiven. Is what we want to hear. Till you refuse to forgive. Then you are unforgiven. What a dreadful thing.
But it occurs too many times from the mouth of our Lord and Savior. Now, some funny chap somewhere is sure to say that was before the cross. To them, give a response that says, Jesus said as he was leaving, go into all the world and repeat everything I've said and command them to obey it. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I phrased it in my own way. Have you not read it before? Go out into all the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them, commanding them to observe all the things which I have taught you, which I have commanded you. That is what God had said would happen when the prophet like Moses came. He said, everyone that doesn't obey what he commands would be in trouble. So the Lord Jesus comes. He is the one that was sent like Moses. He is the one whose words are to be obeyed. And he commands you and says, make sure you do not fail to Obey everything I command you. And it's really simple. Anytime God's people disregard the Lord Jesus in the name of before, after the cross. To them will remain the curse in the book of Revelation, where he said, anyone who removes from this book, his name will be removed from the book of life. Anyone who adds to him will be added the plagues written in this book. I would suggest nobody removes because you want something to fit what you say. Some people have no fear. Let me read it the way it says in verse 19. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this scroll. Do you understand how that works? I don't think we've said this one before. Let's say it. What happens when you eat from the tree of life? Come on. You have life. That is painful. Only one murmurer there. Someone murmured the right thing. Since he didn't murmur it clearly, I will not give him the glory. That's just the way it is. Genesis chapter 3. Verse 22. Read with me. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now, lest he reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. You know what followed there? Let's move him out of the garden. Change his accommodation. You don't want this guy in this state. With this knowledge of good and evil. When all he knew was good. By the way, for those who don't know. There's only one tree they were not to eat from. And the tree of life was not among. Adam always had access. Eve, the eater, 
had the right to the tree of life. Always. She could have walked over to the tree of life and blocked it. Yes, because they were permitted to eat from all the trees in the garden, except one. So there was no time they couldn't take from the tree of life until they ate the other tree. That's how mankind entered into an era of living from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But that era will end. And at the end of that time, we will be given access to the tree of life. Except those who take away the words of the Lord. If you have never had terror, you don't, have, I not, have I told you what second death is? You should have been in the school of ministry. Go and register. <laughs> okay, how many of you were in the school of ministry when we talk about second death recently? Good. Do you know what second death is? Aha. Uh-huh. All right, so let's continue that class now for one or two minutes. Can you understand it? What we just read from Revelation 22. He said that those who take away the words of the prophecies written here, those who reduce it, those who delete it, they are share. They have a share in the tree of life because they all came from Adam. But their share will be taken away. Who knows what will therefore happen? As we day now, now so then good day. Part two, the second death. As we did, then go day until the day. Don't take then, thereafter. But that's in God's hands, so don't ask me for details. But this much I know for sure. You will not eat the tree, so you will not live forever. So you will die. When people are living immortal lives, they will die. After everything we went through in this world, now come and go through again. So you learn to respect God. You don't go tampering with the word of God because you feel like it. You're trying to prove a point. You're trying to prove a point. So you go into scriptures and adjust what you're reading clearly in front of your eyes. Because it doesn't fit. You know what it means for something to not fit your narrative? You have started to tell a lie. And these scriptures keep jamming you. So you, so you, you remove it. You read. I heard a preacher years ago. Read. For our God is a consuming fire. <laughs> How can God be a fire? <laughs> God can never. Immediately after reading. And I, I went like. You see everyone that follows such preachers and believes in them. Anything that happens to you, there's no way you don't deserve it. For you to be that, do you know how many times the Bible says God is a consuming fire? You think it's in Hebrews 12 only? He is fire. He has fire in his eyes. His legs are fire. The throne is sitting on its fire. Its wheels are fire. Fire everywhere. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty. Let me say it so you understand. Fire burns out. God has shined forth. The sun, if he's brighter than the sun, what is the sun? You don't need a ball of fire. Our God is a consuming fire. The Bible doesn't say he looked like he is. 
He said, my word is a fire. And then the next thing you're going to say, no, God is not a fire. He said, they are tormented day and night. Revelation 10. In the presence of the Son of God and His holy angel. And he describes fire. He said, before his throne. Just like Daniel told you, a river of fire flowed out from his throne. The whole idea is that if it touches you, you burn. The torment people will face will be by being in his presence full of disobedience. Jesus said, I came to light a fire, to start a fire, to commence a fire. And how constrained. Give me Luke chapter 12, verse 49 and 50. I have come to ignite a fire on the earth. And how I wish it were already kindled. This is an arsonist. He likes fires. Your opinion isn't consequential. This is what our Lord does. But I have a baptism to undergo and how distressed I am until it's accomplished. In other words, it's after my baptism. A cup I have to drink of suffering. Then I'll start setting things on fire. And you know what some people are going to say? Oh yeah, like you say, if you've been through the class, Believers Bible School here, you would understand it. But some of you have not been. So you're going to say, yeah, that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Mm-mm. He will baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That's a whole different business. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is different from baptism of fire. We mix it all up. No. I baptize you with water. One, John said. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Two, and with fire. Three. See? Three. Our God deals in threes. It's his nature. Phases. You have a spirit, a soul, and a body. Each of them must go through something. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1 to 7. Behold, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come. This is the Lord you seek. He will suddenly come to where? His temple. It's his temple he's coming to. The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. See, he's coming, says the Lord of hosts. Yeah, we're looking forward to the Messiah. Yeah, let him come. Yeah, let him come. He will come. And he said he will come suddenly. And then he begins to introduce you. But who can endure the day of his coming? That's what ignorant people get excited about what they should be terrified of. And who can stand when he appears? This is not Satan. This is the Lord whom we seek. For he will be like a refiner's fire. Like a launderer's soap. This is the Lord Jesus in his second coming. Call it what you like. Fire from heaven, river of fire, lake of fire. <laughs> hey, when the church finally wakes up and understands what their Bible was saying all this time, 
One day the church will wake up like, wait, oh, see it here now. It's always been there. It was there before he was born in flesh. Malachi came before Jesus was born in the flesh. But Jesus didn't come to do fire yet. Came to do spirit. Didn't come to do vengeance. He came to do grace. But it's face by face. So they teach us about grace, 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 grace. And they don't teach you about vengeance, vengeance, vengeance. The kindness and the severity of God. It's best you know the boat. If you don't know the boat, you misfire. The book of Amos, he said, Woe to you who look forward to the day of the Lord. That the day of the Lord will not be a day of <laughs> summary. It won't be a happy day. It will be a day of terror. Ignorance makes people, you know, a wise man is strong. A man of knowledge increases strength. So you prepare like you're preparing for a day. You don't prepare like you're preparing for a joke or for a play. He will be like a refiner's fire, like a laundress soap. This ain't my opinion. This is how he keeps introducing himself. And he will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify who? The sinners and unbelievers and the wicked. Is it this my glasses? It looks like that's not what I'm saying. It must be the Bible. It says he will purify the sons of Levi. Do you understand who the sons of Levi are? The Levites, they are the ones that had no inheritance. Their inheritance is God. They gave up everything. Disciples. And followed Jesus. He says you purify them. How now? These guys gave up everything already. Yes, to whom? Much is given, much is expected. They had God as their inheritance and there's nothing more than God. They got the best part. So it starts with them. And refine them like gold and silver. He refines them. This is why Christians pass through troubles, through fires. And that's why anyone that teaches you that in this world you have no problems is your enemy. I would suggest you run. Someone is about to put you in deep trouble. Because when he comes... <laughs> May God refine you while we are, may, may we be refined while we are still alive. Amen. Oh, may we be refined now. Oh, may we not wait. Till the Lord stands before us. Then he starts saying, eh, excuse me, could I have a bath? Like a quick fire bath. Like I'll be back in a jiffy. Time will be up. This is why he referred. He said, I came to start a fire on the earth. You might wonder and look at um, the early church in the Acts of the Apostles. A lot is not written in the Acts of the Apostles. If you know his history, church history, if you hear how they slaughter Christians and what the church went through, talk about fire. Talk about fire. Talk about troubles, even till today. The troubles that the church goes through, even till this time. All of that is God at work. Testing his people by fire to see if they would choose him above everyone else and everything else. Will you choose me even when it's so scary, so painful, so terrible? Will you choose me? If you will make the choice to choose him, when, leave it. Put it back to where I was. When 
the sons of Levi are being refined. What do you think will happen? I'll show you. Let me not say it. He says, then they will present. It says, then they will present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. So why does he refine? Why does God, why would God refine the sons of Levi? Why would he do anything to them? Why would he purify them? For those who don't know, the word pur is fire in the Greek. Purify, purge. Purgatory are all from the word pur, P-U-R, which is fire. So you can say he will purify them. <laughs> oh, that's when you put something through fire. His sons, his own, his special ones, he starts with them. He puts them through fire. You go through troubles? Oh, you're being tested. Why? So you can come out like gold. Didn't you read the book of Job? Didn't you read Second Peter? You didn't pay attention to Peter, First Peter? You should have paid attention. He said it. A wise man is strong. A man of knowledge increases strength. By wise counsel, you make your own war. In a multitude of counselors like Peter, James, John, all of them, you'll be strong. You'll go through things and go, don't worry. God is putting me through fire. He's testing my faith so I can see how I stand. Not so he can see, so you can know. Ah, he tested me. You've been pushed, but you will not fall. You are pressed, but not crushed. What else? Persecuted, but not abandoned. Pressed down, but not destroyed. Many things may happen to you. Different things may happen to you. But that does not mean it should destroy you. God allows it. Have you seen how olive plants produce oil? They are crushed. What you call olive oil came from crushed olive fruit. Good things come from bad things. Good results come from scary things sometimes. We saw a video, um, you know, I was looking at a video where the, a, a mother, a grandmother fell, or a mother fell from a, in their backyard, their swimming pool slide as she was climbing up. The small daughter, granddaughter, four years old, was falling right behind and the mother falls down from nine feet up and lands on the hits the girl, the girl flies like this and it falls bah! on Sidroth, it's supernatural. Just scanned it, and the girl goes to heaven. Like, and the mother is screaming, I've broken my my baby, I've broken my baby because it's like it sounded like I've just broken her. And the girl goes to heaven and has all these experiences, amazing experiences, sees things. Yes, things, sees babies, four years old, so she doesn't know anything. So she's saying, oh, that these children she met, that they, they squeezed them out before it was time. That's how she said it. Said that the children she met in heaven, about seven of them. She said they squeezed them. I think she said seven boys, seven girls. That they squeezed them out before they were born. That's the word. They squeezed them out before they were born. And then, um, you know, so she met them in heaven. <clears throat> then this one they gave birth to and threw away, put on a rubbish dump. She said that one was born, but she called, she called the child, 
the garbage baby. The garbage baby. Whatever, God confirmed in many ways. She actually saw it. She saw a child that died from an accident, you know, and they told the story. The news on earth, when she came back and told it, they went and searched. It had happened sometime before. They went and searched the newspaper, and they saw, and, and they said she, there was a red. They asked her what color was the car. They said red. No. She saw that a big truck, she called it a giant monster truck, had hit this one. And it tumbled and flew. But nobody had seen it. But on earth, they say the car had an accident and tumbled. They don't know it's a car and a big truck that hit it. The little girl is the one that came and said it. You know, things like that. Just multiple confirmations. She saw a cemetery, saw someone, walked up and said, you know, in real life, when she came, she walked up and pointed this one. And they went and whatever she said, basically, it's when you go and check the newspapers, go and track it down, it is so, you know. Why did I tell that story at all? Because that girl keeps having supernatural experiences. She goes to heaven. She's seven now, I guess. No, it can't be seven now. Okay, that thing happened in 2003. So that's an old recording, I suppose. Because two, three, you know, sometime would have passed. Anyways. But the whole point is that she has a heavenly experiences, you know. And the way... <laughs> Say, if she doesn't go to heaven, heaven comes to her. And it usually starts with her looking up and then something happens. So she, when she wants to play, she looks down. So she'll not mistakenly be taken up to heaven. <laughs> All right. But how did it start? Terrible, terrible, very scary thing. And the mother was screaming and screaming. I've broken my baby. I've broken my baby. I've broken my baby. But God used that to give that child access to heaven. Years ago, I heard about a boy. He's autistic. Doesn't really know himself. He's not normal, special needs child. But he has these visitations, heavenly visitations, encounters, amazing encounters, and all of that. God leads him. You know, he communicates in that his funny way. He can't communicate well. But his mother understands him much better. So on earth, he doesn't know much of earth stuff. But heaven stuff, he's the Baba. And he walk up to people who point at people and say things. Tell the mother that that person, something is going to happen in two days. Things like that, like he's... But how did it start? Starting with a child who couldn't... Who had deficiencies. That ordinarily people won't be ashamed of. And all that. Listen to me. The fires that God lets his people go through are never to destroy them. So what the devil does, he comes and tells you, you see, you see, God doesn't love you. I I told you, I be I told you this thing, you only end up losing on up on all sides. Now you have lost out on this side, you've lost on a, up, out on enjoying life, you've lost out on this, and now you also lost out. Look at this. I told you, if you were an unbeliever now, do you know what you could have done? If it's not for this or Jesus thing which you carry on your head, in fact, other Christians, are you better than them? Can't you remember what Pastor Ita said, that you're still a sinner? And just sin and know that. Commit the sin of stupidity. Don't be stupid. <laughs> the correct thing is that you say, Satan, get out of here. <laughs> Go away from here. I will not sin. Peter told you that you should consider the time past, your former life, to be enough of the sin. 
Now you live your life for Jesus. Hmm? You live for Jesus. These guys will be purified even more. Whatever you go through in this life is a level of purification. Judgment begins in the house of God. So he starts with you. His household. Then he will go on. He won't stop that. When he does it, you are able to present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. In other words, without proper purification, you offer unrighteous offerings to the Lord. Are you following this? Yes, 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 yes. You don't even know it. Oh, darling Jesus, darling Jesus. Oh, darling Jesus. Uh, uh. I love you, sir. Much darling Jesus. Sorry, I felt like singing like they used to sing. You won't sing your own like that, so it will seem spiritual. Darling Jesus. Oh, darling Jesus. Oh, my darling Jesus. You're a wonderful God. I love you so much. Now it's getting real, so I have to stop. Me, I'm serious. <laughs> But you'll be there. Shiva from your head to your toe. My darling Jesus. You're a wonderful. And God is that. I can borrow one. Interpretation of tongues, yes? Can you see dirty hands? Can you see dirty hands? You're like, and your see mud, see mud. See dirt, see dirt. You don't see it, he sees it. Human beings are saying, Hallelujah. The guy can sing. Don't you love his voice? <laughs> Woo! God does not, God never sees physical stuff. God doesn't hear, Ha! You're hearing my voice! This is not what God hears. God hears my heart. He, he doesn't see my words. He, he sees my heart. He sees your life. He sees your intentions. He sees your motives all the time. He can't help it. God is spirit. And if you want to worship me, you must worship me in. Come, come, come and be me. This is my body. Hmm? This is my body. It's bigger than me. I am the spirit because of my illustration. You don't know what I want to say. Okay, so I, I am. So this is one person. Eh? When God looks, when you look, you see him. When God looks, he sees as you start worshiping, darling Jesus, he see your spirit comes out and begins to say something. Now the spirit is messed up. See, so the body is lifting hands here. Come on, you're doing your thing. You're the, he's the one closing the eyes and doing all of that and looking spiritual. The spirit is not doing all of that. The spirit is not doing that. In the spirit realm, the spirit might be like this. You understand me? The spirit might be flat. It might be flat. It could be in any form. It might be dancing. Okay? But there's no space to dance here. So the spirit might be dancing. Like the other day we were singing, I don't know, one, one song about dancing. One new song. So that had. Why do you guys hear mama? Do you know why this is the church of Israel did not enter the promised land? 
You have not heard. Thank you. Sit down. Thank you. <laughs> Someone said that. That's why the job is ready. Not that the promised land. Mom ring. <laughs> the church meeting. Who remembers the tune? <laughs> Yes? The Father's Dance. Sing it now. Stop telling me the title. That's the only part, you know. So me and you, we are the same. Joe. Okay, well, you're better than me. At least you remember it's the Father's Dance. All right, but, you know, as I was singing, and what I was seeing was, before I even started singing, I was smiling, you know, all that, because it's like, you know, but there's no space. If there was, if this hall was five times bigger than this, no, the correct thing would have been to me, you know, going like that. But that's what I was seeing. Now, that's what my spirit is doing in the physical. And we've been there many times. We've seen ourselves before the throne of God. And the Lord is sitting. And we are there before. But we are standing in one place like this. But in the spirit, you know, people are twirling and going like this. And doing all sorts of... So when you hear someone say, I saw a vision. As we are seeing, I saw a vision of all of us lying down with our face towards... That's what your spirits are doing. That's what God, the Spirit, sees. You see human beings standing in one place or kneeling down or lifting hands or standing like this. You may even see mouths closed, but in the Spirit, they are like, Yes! Yes! I love you! I love you! I love you! Love you! Love you! Love you! Yeah! Anything to help you understand. In the physical. That's why you were told, judge no man after the flesh. You don't know Jack. You don't know nothing. Your opinion, inconsequential. Which is why you must focus on your internal man. Not your external man. You have 10,000 naira. You go and splurge 9,800 on your external man. Spirit man, though. You don't even understand. The Lord sees our hearts. Are you understanding me? Man looks at the outward. God is a spirit. Oh, may you understand these things and live for the spirit. What people think doesn't matter that much. Don't be a stumbling block to anyone. That's what you're commanded. In the physical, you don't be a stumbling block. Watch how you dress, how you talk, how you act. Be courteous, be polite, be nice. Uh, nice is a, is, a, is a comparative word. But definitely do not, do not, not care about how you treat men. However, 99% of your <laughs> thoughts should be, does this please the father? Does this please the father? Would the father want me to tell her sorry? Would the Lord desire that I tell him thank you? Even if you have no manners in this world, if you listen to the Holy Spirit a lot, he will tell you all sorts of things. And so you walk over and say, thank you very much for what you gave me yesterday. Thank you. And the girl has been there wondering, very ungrateful. People are ungrateful, though. And you that collected and just went on your way. Then the Holy Spirit tells you, ah, and you're, and you're like, thank you for what now? You can't even remember they gave you something. But you just obey. Thank you very much. He said, oh, I thought you didn't get it. And you now go, oh, wow. 
my point to help children of God is we are spiritual people and our offerings to the Lord are to be in righteousness. Righteousness is spiritual. I want to give an example that required money. And I found that I have no money. Who loaned me money? You have to have at least two pieces of money, not one. Let me call it from my wife. So, <laughs> we are one. So, so, that, so that if by any chance, no equal amount. So if by any chance, there's no return. <clears throat> Now you can't complete a sentence till I could righteously give away hmm? righteously as an act of righteousness. I could give away this money. Oh wow, okay, so it's okay. Just hold this. Uh, God bless you. Uh, God bless you. Take care of that. I could give that away righteously. 1,000 naira. And I could also give it away unrighteously. <clears throat> sorry, I just felt I should just assist you. I, I, I don't know. I don't know why. But uh, sorry, C- can I have your number? Could I, could I have your number? No? Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Did I give two thousand one thousand to different people? This was an offering to God in obedience in righteousness. This was transgression. But all that happened is the same thing. But this is a sin, an active sin, a real sin. There will be consequences for this action. Because my spirit man went, Father, I should? Okay, Father, I give this to you. In physical, I gave him, but in the spirit realm, I gave to the Father. I offered that money to the Father. That's what happened in the spirit realm. With her, in the spirit realm, I I didn't I avoided the father completely. Father was God Almighty is known, he's not near there. He's not even flesh. I look for Satan. And gave money. Not because the person is Satan, but I just laid a sacrifice at the altar of darkness. But in the physical, you gave money to two people. Oh, today, maybe you want to testify and you don't understand. Say today, I just want to thank God for the opportunity to be a blessing. I had two occasions on which to assist people. Meanwhile, you got a number with a full intention to reach out. You didn't collect number here because truly it was the Lord. That one, not to preach. You can get, get collect a number to follow up for Jesus, male or female. But you know very well, it is lost. It is lost. The girl has no need for money. You looked at her. Bah, correct. 
everything. She has more than enough. They didn't feel led ever. We had no Holy Spirit. There was no there was a spirit, but it wasn't holy. You are trying to buy her. You are trying to buy her heart, her mind, her thoughts. You are trying to acquire an opening to her life, access to her mind. That's your intention. Your intentions are impure. Therefore, this offering to the Lord is not in righteousness. It's not even an offering to the Lord. Even though you came and had the audacity to tell the church that I want to thank the Lord. But your motivations were bad. You hope to see her again. You want her to respond promptly when you call. So, can we see? I'm in town. Could, could we? Yeah, yeah. I'm at, uh, and you know she'll be willing because she remembers that in quotes, nice man that gave her 10,000. I said, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why, but I just felt I should just you know, drop 50K. Bam. I didn't say it's church members' money. I said, the person dropped 50k. Who said he's a pastor? God forbid that any pastor does such thing. I wonder why you're laughing. <clears throat> okay, I'll clear your throat. Okay. Next verse. Then the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will please the Lord as in the days of old and years gone by. People, are you saying? Once again, Judah and Jerusalem will please God with their offerings. If you know how there has been a lack of pleasant offerings to the Lord in the church, if you know, you cry for God. The little I don't know, the little I think I know, your heart just weeps. So much unrighteous offering, dirty, dirty, nasty stuff. Bringing dirty, disgusting things and saying, God, this is for you. And God looks like, Really? You brought this for me? Ha. Ah. Ha. Ah. It's better you don't even bring anything. Go and read Malachi chapter 1. He said, once someone closed the doors of this temple, don't bring anything here. Stop your music. You guys call it music most times. If you see how God, how frustrated God is at a lot of what is brought before him, stand before him, and the person's voice is, and opens their mouth, and God hears like blasphemy. It's like you're cursing God, but your voice is so good. You're saying, People are screaming, you're the bomb. And what the Lord sees. Remember, he doesn't see your voice. He sees you. He sees you before you came. He saw you hold her hand and pass a note. And say, this night no go easy. You're not married though. You're an unmarried person. This is what you do in every town you visit. They told the organizers, I hope some fine babes are around. 
hope you guys have fine girls in this church. Oh, just to hang out, just to hang out. And since the guy is a sinner, they invited him, and him is a sinner. You know, there's this power involved with sinners coming together. What one cannot do, too. And yours truly, he tells, tells them. And them, I don't know what to presume they've been doing since. For them be, to be available to be told. That means their reputations precede them. That means likely he, he has bedded them. So they are available. He knows that they, are con- they don't have conscience. In fact, I'm not even going to the one they say that preachers go to preach and they give them money on a room and girls. Let's just leave that side. God, let's presume it's a lie, even though we know it's true. But God forbid. I'm not talking about that type. Talking about the one where this guy came. So he knows this. He knows all of this as he's coming out. Hallelujah. You know, I just want to give God praise for my life. Years ago, I remember standing and telling the Lord, Lord, if I ever have the opportunity to stand before your people, I drop to the knee and say, Father, the way people are laughing as if it has happened somewhere. God forbid it has happened. I don't know anything. Oh, don't. Laugh at me as though I'm talking about anybody. I don't know any what anybody has done. You know, <laughs> back to my illustration before you interrupted it. Hallelujah. We're here to say how much. What do you think Almighty sees? That's why people are such clowns. People have no fear of God. Are you real? As you're saying it, see thick black spittum. You're spitting it on people. Black smoke. That one we have seen many times. With a bad smell. As though you open soak away and put your nose. Oh, you haven't seen the church. May God show some of you. If you are here and you doubt me, Father, show them. Let God show you some church meetings. You, you, if you, don't, you may run out physically. In fact, some of you run out. In fact, now prayer, they pray for you. you will, God will open your eyes in a church meeting. Now, you may see angels everywhere. That's a good church. But that's not the one I'm praying for you. See the angels, so you know it's the spirit realm. See the angels, but I want when you go to a church that God is not pleased with. That's why I want your eyes to be open. So you see something. See evil. And wonder why God has not pulled down the building on everybody since. And then you know God is patient. When everybody is a joker. From the top down. No, everybody is a joke. In fact, if it was even a joke, it would be good. It would be funny. It's not a joke. It's evil. Cesspool of evil. High level wickedness. And he finishes. He may even try to stir up the water works and generate some liquid from his eyes. And he knows it's all acting. And he finishes there with the intention of sleeping with a girl. From before he came. 
Like, it's all part of... <laughs> it's not that he went and was in his hotel room and then someone came and tempted him and he fell. No. This is part of the recipe. It's like food you eat after that meeting. It's like food. God does not see any of that. His spirit is defiled, lame, deformed. It's, it's crooking. God, God doesn't hear. I need to say how much. He hears, I mock you. But I, I mock you. I, I, I mock you. You are nothing to me. I mock you. Yes, you are the one that heard the other voice. God does not even hear a song. Not to talk about the lyrics. Some of you, oh, you thought he's hearing the lyrics, but the guy thought, you thought he was hearing, I need to say how much. No. Uh, what's his name? Could sing, his voice was like that. What's that guy's name? Um, <laughs> that blue singer from, from. <laughs> Love is so under Huh? That's what happens when you're born in church. Louis Armstrong, thank you. Some of you were unbelievers. I'm dead. Sorry, but <laughs> it brought the money for church. <laughs> but when you're small, you go to church. Okay, so you know, and, and, and I mean, he could sing. You know, his voice as like they pack gravels, put in a machine, and shook it. Skies are blue, render her. That God doesn't care about any of that. God cares nothing about your voice. He, he doesn't hear. He gave you the voice. He doesn't, God is a spirit. So he hears your heart. So when you open your mouth and sing, like some of us that are not gifted musical, some people, you know, don't kill yourself and don't feel bad. Never think God and God hears how bad your voice is. What are you saying? God does not hear your physical voice. He hears your spiritual voice. Some of you are like hits with the most beautiful in the spirit realm. You have Celine Dion type voices. And give me a Christian alternative by that. You have the most beautiful voice in the spirit. But on earth, when you start singing people, they just hope you won't get too into it. We just hope. We just hope you keep it sentimental at the heart level. That's our constant prayer. Lord, may the person leading this meeting not get excited. Oh, Lord, please. May they not say, raise your voice. Unspoken prayers. And when they do, the, the people start acting like they are listening to the Lord. Hallelujah. Some bow down and worship. Just to be far away from your voice. Hey, please, oh, I'm joking. If your neighbor does this like I do, if you hear myself, I go down. It has nothing to do with you. Maybe it's small, it has something to do with you, so. Do your thing, I'm doing my thing, so I can hear myself. All right, so, whatever it is that is the case, 
the reality we are in is that God looks at your spirit man. May you not be cursing him. God is a joke. God is a joke. That you can be saying that human beings are hearing. He's beautiful. He's wonderful. He's beautiful. Can you see? That's what you're saying, oh. On earth. People are saying, Jesus, you worship her. And you're a wicked unbeliever in God's eyes. With no respect, because you respected him, you wouldn't sing. At least not in the state you've been in for the past three years. You wouldn't touch a mic. You would sit down. You, you, you have sat down singing. But because your God is your belly, so you go around selling yourself. As a gospel minister, let's welcome all the way from L.A. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Back, 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 back. If that one, again, you see, the songs I'm describing are not songs that sound like worldly music. They sound very spiritual, but no respect for God in your life. You live there, you find a girl, you take a girl to a hotel room, you commit fornication as you have committed so many times. You ask her if she has a friend tomorrow, you should bring another one. You come and stand and you sing. Again, this thing I'm saying, I'm sure it is not happening anywhere, have you? Huh? There's a God in heaven, no? <laughs> there's, a, there's a God in heaven, no? Judgment is coming on the church of God. And many people don't know, including the church in Nigeria. That's why, come, every day we are praying here. We are praying every day of the week. Wednesdays and Fridays like this, we have Bible study and a general meeting, huh? And Sunday. The Sunday in the evening, we are here to pray again. Tomorrow, we are here in the morning. Because tomorrow morning is free, not evening. Morning, 6 a.m. We are here for about two hours to pray. We are praying about two hours every day. For the church in Nigeria, you don't have to be a member of this church. You invite everybody. You can tell them, come. They are praying for the church in Nigeria. Church in Nigeria. You'll be full of sin and doing gra-gra. No weapon. No weapon did what? Look how many weapons have worked already. Say no weapon. No, 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 no weapon. No weapon did what? There's no weapon that does not touch you. No weapon fighting against you fails to prosper. You're not worried. Is it not because you don't know what the weapons are? You think the weapons are carnal. What does the Bible say? The weapon about the weapons of our warfare in First Corinthians chapter ten. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For the weapons of our warfare, they are not physical. The word is carnal, but mighty through God. So it says it's not physical. So why do you think the weapons of Satan are physical? So you talk about accident, talk about sickness, talk about every time. I'm not saying those cannot be demonic. I'm saying the primary weapons of Satan are weapons against your spirit man. God is a spirit. Satan is a spirit. You, man, are made in God's image. Therefore, you're primarily a spirit. Therefore, the attacks are on your spirit. How did he attack Eve? He beat her on the head. No! He made her to believe a lie. And then she disobeyed God. 
She went from where she was bowed down before God in obedience, got up and followed Satan. Wanting what God did not give her. That is, to know good and evil at the same level the Elohim knows. And because of that choice she made, Here we are. Who would have thought? If not for God, who I pray healed her of the heart. But imagine knowing. She even saw it immediately. Her first son killed her second son. Knowing that I caused that. I caused that. I caused that. I am responsible for that. Then all mankind, all the trouble we've had. Madam, they say no trouble. Now, how long have you been there? Catch, you know. You want what God has not given you yet. You want it out of timing, out of place, without right permission. Listen, my child comes to me and says, Daddy, I like some of the cake in the fridge. He will likely get it. Same child goes to the fridge and steals it and eats. <laughs> Both instances involve cake. In fact, if you ask, you might get a bigger piece. But you ate even smaller, a smaller amount of cake. And, but yet you are a sinner. Ah, ah, but is he not eating cake? Eh, eh no. Eh. That's, you see, that's the problem. Where were you posed when you ate it? Were you before God in surrender when you were given cake? Or were you bowing before the powers of darkness when you were eating? Who gave you the cake? Even though it's the same cake from the same fridge at the same time. Who gave you? Whose hand did you receive the cake from? The hand you received it from decides the quality of the offering. So be careful. It's not about what we see. That's why we can judge nothing before the time. That's why God is judged. That's why God is judged. I can't judge. You can't judge properly. We can ask questions. We can tell, did you know it when you did it? But to judge properly and know the final position, only God knows. That's what we are taught by 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul said, he said, judge nothing before the time. Say he doesn't even judge himself. Because you don't really know. Even you, some things you do, you don't even know. I talk to people and I know they don't know what they are doing. They are confused. They don't really see their heart as clearly. Sometimes I see people's hearts clearer than they see. They are unhappy. They, they, they are so unacquainted with the, the heart, their heart, that they, they don't even know what's the issue. So they stand there and flounder left and right. That's what happens to blind people. Because internally, their eyes are not open. It's blinded. Malachi 3. Let's continue. Let's finish that. Verse 5, 6 and 7. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. Are you seeing this? He starts with the sons of Levi, cleans them up. Then he turns and draws near to this group he calls you. Oh, may you not be in this group. And I will be a swift witness against sorcerers and adulterers and pejorers, against oppressors of the widowed and fatherless. Oh God, oh, oh, oh God, help them understand. Oh, Jesus. Oh, they don't understand. Oh, they'll be sorrow. They'll be sorrow. And do you know what a pejora is? 
against oh someone who tells lies in court. This is not the lie of lying. Who kept this thing? It's not me. Even though in a sense that's perjury. Because if it's not you, that means it's her. If there were only two of you in the house and someone kept it and it's not you, then you have said indirectly it's her kept it. You didn't know that, right? <laughs> but typically perjury is in court, in a case. They call you, yes, give witness. What did you see happen? I say, I saw her slap him first before he slapped her back very hard. And it never happened. She never slapped him. That he has just perjured. You just lied. You told a lie. That's perjury. It's used in legal matters. Is this clear? I'm going to show you something about perjury. Do I have the time to show you? Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15 to 21. Let me show you one of those things you've misunderstood in the Bible, as usual, because you don't read it for yourself. Now, this occurs more than once, but in this instance, a lone witness, a single witness, an individual witness, is not sufficient to establish any wrongdoing or sin against a man. This is why you need witnesses. But one witness is not enough. Regardless of what offense he may have committed, it doesn't matter. Murder, theft, perjury, it doesn't matter. One witness is not enough. This is the law of our God. Do you see? He said, I will not listen to one witness and decide. These days, do they listen to one witness? Yes. But look at the heart of the God we serve. In, see, the God who made man knows man is so wicked that someone can fabricate a lie and tell on someone. So he says, let there be someone else that saw it. A matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. You know this verse, right? You've quoted it often. All right. Be introduced. Now watch. If a false witness, a pejora, testifies against someone accusing him of a crime, both parties to the dispute must stand in the presence of the Lord before the priests and judges who are in office at that time. So what's the story here? He's saying that if someone is a false witness, that means he says he saw her. Okay, I saw her slap him first. He says the parties to the dispute, so she must come and the person that accused her must come. And they are to stand before the priest, the judges, Fine, officer. That's why in this church, you better know if there's an issue between you and your brother or sister. And I don't think you guys have done this much. That's why there's some level of wrongdoing here and there once in a while. That shouldn't exist. Because you don't place matters out for judgment. And you ought to. First Corinthians 6 tells you that you ought to. That if your brother or sister offends you and you've told them and they refuse to stop doing the wrong thing. That it should be brought before others. And then there are some of you that if they call you say, come and talk. What happened? You say, I don't want to say anything. You don't know what you're doing. You're a joke. You cannot lie against someone like that. Any discipline that would have come on that person you reported will come on you. Do you know that's what the law of God says? Whatever would have been done to the person you accused falsely is to be done to you. It's not a joke. You don't lie against someone you ever. And many people in this world. Oh, let me tell you where some of your parents' problems are from. 
They lied against someone. Mm, they've never repented. What happened to the person or would have happened is what they are going through. Did I say your parents? You. I'm serious. Let's finish because you think it's my opinion. 